Alright guys, what's up and welcome to episode 5 of the Brave Birds Podcast. I'm Zach and we have 75% of our podcast is undefeated with Will and Ar- Will and Rhett. Oh, yeah! So Artie, you might need to crack open a cold one because this is going to be a fun one. This is not going to be fun. I disagree. Oh, Alright, so we're going we're gonna to start this one off since we have a lot of college football and NFL to talk about. We're going to start off with MLB because we don't really have much to talk about. Um, Braves take series 2-1 to one over the Nats and then take Marlins 2-1 to one as well. So that was good. We are up four and a half games on the uh, Phillies right now. So playoff, playoff hopes are looking hot. Um, team batting is getting better. Hopefully they get better. As the weeks progress, because we got six series left till playoffs. Uh, we got Giants and Padres are going to be our biggest matchups, and the Phillies and Mets are going to be the ones that end it. Um, how do y'all think that we're going to look against Giants over there? So we went two and one against them at home. I could see us reasonably going one and two against them in San Francisco, and that doesn't kill our playoff hopes. I think if we can secure one win there, I'm happy. I was about to say, especially when we go play the Padres, they aren't looking good. I think we can take at least three of our uh, four games. Well, I guess we got 3.1 games left because we still have like an inning and a half of a f- of that other doubleheader we had. I think we can take at least three of the Padres. And if we do that, I won't mind about losing to the Giants, even though it would be huge if we did win. I won't be too mad because I think we have a four point game, five game lead right now. So I think that's pretty pretty high hopes for us going in. I think, uh, you know, looking at the schedule, I do think there's a lot of series that we can get, you know, two, if not three wins off of. Um, Arizona, I think the Phillies, we can probably sweep if we're feeling it. The Mets, we have a potential to sweep. The Rockies at home, I think we can sweep. I think San Francisco and San Diego are just the two especially with being away games um, that we're really going to have to hunker down and get one or two games off. Like you guys said, but I think overall, I think that gives us a really good shot. The Phillies we know have a pretty dang easy schedule going forward, but I think that our four game, four and a half game buffer is going to carry us. I think we have a really good shot of making it to the playoffs and hopefully we play better in the playoffs than we have the last, uh, uh, you know, that last little stretch against the Rockies and a little bit prior to that. I'm just excited to have a possible playoff contender, you know, fingers crossed third year in a row that we make the playoffs. Well, it would be fourth because this will be our fourth East win. Oh, good point. Yep. So, yeah. And if we win it, honestly, after the past three years, we've had that little, like little for the uh, East or little party after we win the East this uh-huh. year. I kind of hope we don't have it because... It's been a grind to get there, and we have unfinished business we need to do from last year. So I kind of hope they don't have that party and be like, all right, yeah, we won the East. We did it the past four years. Now let's go get what we came here to get and get that LCS win and then hopefully World Series. But Yeah, kind of act like they've been there before. Yeah, but batting has been picking up a lot. Our freaking um, our picks up at the deadline came in clutch a lot since we picked them up. They've been winning us a lot of games, so we we just need to get on a roll with batting, and we'll be good. But that's all that we have for MLB. Didn't have much, so 
we're going to go ahead and move on to college football. All right, on to college football. Big week. Artie, we love you. Just going to let you know right now, we do love you. This is all for fun and games. All right, number 12. Quit that. Don't put that at the podcast. Don't put that at the podcast. <laughs> Don't put that at the podcast. Number 12, Oregon. Whoo. Art, you, you got any words before I talk? Uh, I think that we all know what's coming. Um, the defense needs to improve. Ohio State. Oregon wins 35-28. to 28. Ended up being a close game, which is not terrible, but, you know, that's a big upset. I, I just wanted to – I want to start this off. Artie, you did not give me enough credit when I was trying to tell you that Ohio State was going to have to replace Justin Fields because you kept saying, CJ Stroud's so good. I said, it doesn't matter. He's not Justin Fields. And – while I know the offense performed, I can't say the same for the defense. Uh, Oregon's offensive coordinator, previous Mississippi State coach, previous Penn State offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead, had Oregon's or had Ohio State's number. You know they they had a, I mean they just had an incredible offense. They they were running and throwing the ball all over Ohio State all day, and really proved that Ohio State, you know maybe was overranked at number four, but I, I don't. You know, looking at the AP, I don't know that Oregon should have jumped all the way to four, but top 10 for sure. It's just you could tell that Ohio State's not the same team last year that made the playoffs. They've got rebuilding to do, which is fine. You should expect that from a college. I think um, coming from, you know, having to re eat, eat my own words a little bit, um, I think the biggest thing that Ohio State gets away with a lot of the time and some, some of the other big schools do as well but especially it was shown with Ohio State this week, is normally, because of their recruiting, they have the best athletes on the field, no matter who they're playing. The problem is, when you're playing teams like Oregon, who are just athletes everywhere, you not only have, you now not only have not a athlete advantage, but you now have a coaching, an even level of coaching, even level of scheme, even level of money, where you're running into a little bit of an issue there where now it's just who's going to show up to play that day. So if it looks like, in this case, Oregon was definitely the team that showed up. They were to run the ball all over the place, over 200 yards. Um, Brown had a great day passing the ball. Anthony Brown, 17-35, um, 236 yards. I hate it for C.J., he had 484 yards and three touchdowns, but we just couldn't get it done. The defense really needs to step up going into the stretch. Well, and like I like I previously said on earlier podcasts, is that if there's a game to lose, it's the early game. So you, so Ohio State does have a chance to you know possibly bounce back. I mean, I'd rather root for some other teams that are are ranked in the top ten, but it's still possible for Ohio State to bounce back depending on how the rest of the season plays out. So I'm just going to say, last week when I said Oregon was going to beat Ohio State, I was rather mocked for a second. Ridiculed, you might say. Yes, yes. Along Dome yeah. and street. Anyways. Thrown under the well, bus. You're still smoking crack. You are. You are. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Ohio State has not been a good first-half team this year. 
And they could get away with it when or with Minnesota when Minnesota gets tired in the second half because Ohio State has better athletes. This is just like what I already said. They were getting behind and they were relying on the better players that they had, the better draft classes that they had to make up for that. And you can't do that when you're going up against a top 10 team or at the time they weren't top 10, but now they're number four. You can't make up those two touchdown deficits all the time. And the offense played well. I think the biggest difference this year from Ohio State that I can see is you, you've known Ohio State the past few years for their outstanding defensive line with Chase Young and all these other people. And this year, they have a lot of work to do. They weren't wrapping up. They, they just did not look good at all. I feel bad for all of the offensive players because they definitely worked hard enough to get that win. But offense is two sides of the ball, and defense looked horrible. So... They lost. And one big takeaway, one big takeaway I found from this game, too, is Oregon's looking good. They didn't even have just about to say that. They didn't have their two best defensive players in the game because they got injured last week. And they still held them to 28 points. So Oregon, I think Oregon's going to Oregon has a very high potential of being a playoff team this year. I mean, I okay to say a team to say you held a team to twenty eight points. I, I mean, like, I mean, Ohio you know, State is still a top ten team. Right, right. And as holding as a top a, ten team to twenty eight is yeah, still four, impressive. I mean, you go up against some other top ten teams, and depending on the defense that shows up or not, you know, it could be a shootout. Otherwise, t- four touchdowns should get the job done. But I agree with you, Zach. I was going to say that it was. I, I, I still don't know if they deserve to be number four, though. But I think that Oregon is looking good. I think that they might make. I, I mean, they might make a case for the playoffs. I think Oregon jumped up so much just because how unimpressive teams five through ten have looked. Very I mean, true. Look what Texas A&M did last week. Look at what Texas A&M Notre, almost lost. Yeah. Look, look at what Notre Dame did last week. They almost lost. But like the five to ten range is not super impressive. I think there's a huge gap in between one and one through three, and everyone else right now. And that's the reason Oregon could jump so much is because these teams have struggled against nobody. Yep. Yeah. I, so so Brett, you bring up Colorado, Texas A&M. I was at that game, and first off. Texas A&M, it drops to number seven. They were one offensive drive from probably being, you know, ranked in the 20s, if maybe even being unranked. They they were so close to losing to an unranked Pac-12 team that it, it was, ins- I mean, it, they, it was their, it was literally their own mistakes that were shooting themselves in the foot. They fumbled the ball uh, within the one-yard line. Dude, I so, was, I, I was so happy. I, I, I always go for the underdog. And when yeah. they did that in Colorado almost had that win, oh, I was on was, the edge of my seat. It was electric. I mean, watching it live. So I was there with a bunch of A&M friends and I obviously wasn't going to wear A&M maroon. So I was wearing like a black polo and just getting along with all the Colorado fans. I mean, the Colorado fans couldn't believe it. And then like the fourth quarter, it came around and they were like, wait, we're still winning this game. Hold on a second here. Really, I, w- I kind of wish that Colorado had beaten them so that you could show a- – you could show that the SEC is that much has that many more chinks in their armor, but I think the fact that the game was so close just proves that the SEC, especially the SEC West, it it might be wide open depending on if Ole Miss, Arkansas, and you know who who knows down the stretch, but maybe Mississippi State have formidable teams that they that can stand against Texas A&M. I don't know about wide open. You still have Alabama at the top, yeah. 
I think the spot oh, for number yeah. two in the SEC West yeah, is wide yeah, open. I, I, I think I, Alabama's I, a clear favorite. And you know, I hate to say this, but I think Auburn might take that number two spot. I know Rhett will love that, but... Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. The fact that they they got up to 60 points uh, week one and then 62 week two. Granted, they were like not... No, they were FCS teams, but still, what other team has put that many points up on an FCS team and shut them out? Very true. I think definitely looking good. Coming into week three will be a big tell for Auburn because yes, we blew out some teams you were supposed to beat, but I mean, bowling out a team that you have like just way better athletes than yes, it's nice, but you can still go into a game against a top ten team and that means nothing. I think our running, I think. Our running backs look amazing between Tank Bigsby and Hunter. Hunter had a 94-yard touchdown run, and we have a lot of offensive potential under Brian Harson that we didn't have last year. I think this Penn State game will be a very interesting game. So yeah. what do you all think about it? I definitely think that Auburn can pull it out because they had two weeks to basically work on things. Like um, They basically had a live practice is what I would call it. They got to get a good couple points on them, and then they probably got to try a lot of things like, hey, let's see if this will work and see if we can try it against a good team when we get to them and stuff like that. So Auburn had some great practices for those two weeks. I'll basically refer to them as preseason games for like NFL-type stuff because they run up the score at first, and then they, then they put their plays in that they want to try against like better teams to see if it could work and see what they have on their offensive line and their running backs. Like you said, he had a 94-yard run. Let's see if during a good team he can at least make it a, uh, at least a 25-yard run. That would still be huge. I think we'll really see uh, which of these two teams is legit this week. I think Penn State has shown they're pretty solid, but again, there's a lot of mix-up. Two to three-ish rank down. Nobody really knows how good anybody else is. Um, obviously, Oregon looked better than Ohio State, and they were missing two players. But Ohio, Ohio State shows up, and their defense shows up. We don't know if that's a different game. We've seen five, six, <laughs> like, get close to losing. Notre Dame almost lost. Clemson yeah. has played Georgia, obviously, but Clemson has lost a game. They weren't as dominant as last year. So we really got to see, is 10 a legit 10 for Penn State? Or is Auburn better than 22? So I I have a take that I need to kind of, I need to backtrack because I was wrong. I said that the Pac-12 was probably the second worst um, at Power 5 conference. I, I think that I'm off on that, and I think I'd put them at solid three um, with last place being just a, a slap fight between the Big 12 and the ACC. Because some of these teams coming out of the Pac-12, you know, we'll get to UCLA later, but Oregon, depending on what California team shows up that week, and heck, really, that's all I can think of. Those, I mean, those two, I'd say Oregon, UCLA, and, and <clears throat> you know, 
either USC or Stanford. Mm, no, not really USC or Stanford. Yeah, just Oregon UCLA. I was say USC hired their coach. Yeah, they're car- yeah, yeah. I was gonna get to that next. They're carrying the Pac-12, but it, 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 the, just the impressive feats that they've accomplished have Arizona made me think the Pac-12 so much better. Yeah, that's the other team I was thinking of. Sorry, yeah. I got the colors. Confused. Arizona I, State's I, 19. They're they're pretty yeah. decent. I had the same colors there in my head, but I just couldn't remember Arizona State's name, and I'm and I was looking right at them. But I'd say that those three are carrying the entire Pac-12 because Arizona's trash. Like Rhett just said, USC lost to unranked Stanford, so they just fired their head coach. Um, you've got Stanford, who's already lost week one to Kansas State. You don't know about them. You know, USC, Stanford, that's kind of a weird matchup. Um, big, you know, big, like, inter- interconference rivalry. So I, I will I will say that the Pac-12 is a solid number three. And my last take on this going off of Notre Dame is the ACC very likely will not have a team in the playoffs this year. Yeah, it's, it's definitely possible, especially if Clemson doesn't show up in the other games that they have. I was saying if uh, the only way they'll get in Clemson can get into the uh, to the playoffs from looking at their schedule, they have to blow teams out by like twenty points because they they have. <clears throat> I was looking at their schedule earlier, and there's literally no one that they play anymore. Georgia was the only team they played, and so yeah. if they don't and blow out, if you're, and I think if you look at. Uh, you know, if we have a potential SEC championship of Alabama versus Georgia again, I think if both of those teams are still undefeated and are ranked one and two and have looked good, I think both of those teams get in like they have in the past. And then it just comes down to Oregon, if they run the table and win a win their championship, I think they get in. And then if Oklahoma runs the game, and just runs the rest of their season and they win the championship, then I think that's you kind of look at two undefeated teams with championships over a Clemson team with a loss and you can't kick Georgia out at that point because Georgia beat them. So I think, yeah, it's going to be tough for Ohio State and Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. I think George, if, if they have to put a one loss team in, it'll probably be Georgia saying that their only loss would be to Alabama in the SEC championship. And the fact that, and especially if they keep playing as they've been playing and blowing out their team, the nobody teams and play good against like Auburn and stuff. But that's another thing with how Auburn's looking. Granted, they did play. They are playing the nobody teams right now. If they keep rolling like they have been against them though, that could be a very close game. So, my, my so going back to my take on the ACC, Clemson is probably carrying that conference by itself because even though Notre Dame's ranked again, twelve, again, mm-hmm. again, like always, yes, so, yes, always like is. always, yes. Yeah. Even though Notre Dame is ranked twelfth, Notre Dame almost lost to Florida State. Then Notre Dame almost lost to Toledo. Which, by the way, I want to touch on that. It was really cool. The the QB's finger got popped out of place. He walks over to the sideline, has the coach pop his finger his dislocated finger back into place and then he throws the game-winning touchdown for notre dame so like that was cool but it should have never come to that in the first place and florida state who almost beat notre dame lost to jacksonville state just an unranked fcs team with no no should have been contender at all so (sighs) notre dame is way overranked at 12 the acc is going to be blown wide open if clemson loses another also notre dame is not in the acc for football Oh yeah, I, so I always. I've heard that. rumors always. about that. So when their uh, contract with NBC runs out in 2023, 
ACC is going to force the football team to join them or they're going to kick the whole school out of the ACC. Good. Good. That's a rumor right now, and I'm pretty sure I I would have I believe that rumor 100. percent But yeah, so that's what I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. And the only reason that they aren't in it is because NBC in that contract. So I really hope that happens. But yeah, that Notre Dame Toledo game barely winning that game by four points. Notre Dame is they're on they only get ranked high because of their name. People, are, it's like Texas. Yeah. Texas. They have good players. They have good players, and they have a decent coach. Like Jack Cohn's going to the NFL. Like he's he's really good. It's just a matter of can they perform as an entire team? Their defense is real is pretty stout. I think they have the pieces on offense. I just don't know if I don't know if they are as good as a lot of the other teams in the top five, top ten. Yeah. I agree with you there. And then, but yeah, going back to that namesake, like Texas. Texas is back. They won one game to a nobody. They're back. So they're back. To being, uh, they're back to being unranked. They're back to they being are. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, but the fact that everybody always says they win their first game of the year to an FCS team, everyone thinks they're back. And then the next game, they lose to an unranked team, which is great. Talking about that, the Arkansas-Texas game, 40-21. to Arkansas blows them out of the water, and people still wanted to say they were back before that game. Oh, that was yeah, funny to watch. I love I love seeing the Texas fans, like, say they're back and then lose, and now they can just they just shut it's up and hang their heads. For, like, the past three years. That's, that's the... If that's not just longer. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember when it was that that Sam Ellinger won that bowl game and you know you have the famous we're back video clip but that's that's what I I think it was 2019 so 1920 and then 21 season now obviously they, people are saying oh Texas is so back under Steve Sark I don't think this is that good of a start for Steve Sarkeesian I mean granted he could be owing too but one and one listen to Arizona like that's a lot of interconference rivalry and, yeah you know to lose that is is kind of uh, you're really deflating the balloon yeah, I think you just said they lost to Arizona. God bless America. <laughs> I probably did. I meant Arkansas. Just leave it in. I just want to bring up the fact that Arkansas was fined 100k for storming the field, but Texas is paying Sarkeesian 5.2 million dollars this year. So who's the real loser? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hilarious because Texas and Oklahoma are going to be joining the SEC in 2025, and Texas just lost to historically the worst team in the SEC West. They're not going to have a fun time these first few years in the SEC. Yeah. Well, Rhett, Rhett, can you say that Arkansas is the worst team, or would you say Mizzou is the worst team? I said so historically at, at, the worst team in the West. Short term. Look at short term history. Well, well, no. I said historically the worst team in the West. But, so, talking about the SEC, there is a rumor around. So, when Texas and Oklahoma join, it's going to go to like a four division, four division SEC. Mm-hmm. And oh, dude, split the United States. Yeah. So, what's going to happen is basically, so say you have the North, South, East, and West division. The North and South will be the ones competing for one SEC spot, and the East and West will be competing for another one. And then the next year, it's going to rotate where the North and the East will be competing for one of the SEC championship spots, and the West and South will be competing for one of the SEC spots. That's how. That's a rumor I heard about how the SEC is gonna is gonna split up once uh, Oklahoma and Texas join. 
So I'm excited to see that. I'd be happy about that because then you wouldn't have you could have Auburn and uh, or not Auburn, uh, Alabama and Georgia competing for one of the spot for the one spot and have the other side two different teams. So it'll mix it up a lot. Continuing on to the college football, uh, we got Iowa beating Iowa State seventeen to ten. Rhett, I know this was so. If you follow our Twitter. We uh we tweeted out uh we're gonna do a new segment of upsets of the week. So every every uh, episode we're all gonna say an upset for the upcoming week. And Rhett had Iowa beating Iowa State and his hit. So Rhett, did you watch any of the game? Watched the entire game. I think Iowa's defense looks amazing. I, I talked about it week one when I had them over Indiana. I'm very high on Iowa in general. They're now ranked five. I think they are competing against Ohio State for that top spot in the Big Ten, and it's going to be a fun competition to watch. Seeing how they played, I can't wait for that now because watching Iowa and how they played against Iowa State, they played really well. And then Ohio State not being as hot as we thought they would be. So that'll be a fun championship to watch, Ohio State versus Iowa, if they if they both keep rolling how they are. But... Yeah. yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be exciting. You'll definitely see Iowa has struggled, not necessarily struggled, but hasn't shown any greatness when it comes to their offense. Um, they have a good running game, but it's a lot of ground and pound. We're slowly going to drive the ball and an OK quarterback. Just nothing spectacular that you would expect, you know, from some of the other schools. But their defense is unreal, similar to Georgia's. Like I, I would say probably. Those two in Alabama are probably going to be top three for defense in the country right now. Um, and then on the other hand, with Ohio State, you have a good quarterback and good running backs. Um, offensive line could be a little bit better. Um, I know there's a couple guys missing, but then that defense is struggling. So we're going to see. I think it'll be a pretty good matchup whenever they do uh, meet up in that championship game, and we'll see who comes out on the other side of uh, on the other side of that game. So you just said they have the best defense. I just want to point out Auburn is allowing five points per game. They have played nobody. Yeah, I can't even they name the college. They played high school JV teams. <laughs> My point stands. God, Brett, please, if you're going to smoke crack, start sharing, man. <laughs> I did with the Ohio State defense. That is true. I That is true. I So I, and I did have, uh, Oregon over Ohio State is my week one upset. I I think that it's kind of funny, actually, that all of us hit on our week one upsets. Zach had Arkansas versus Texas. All of us hit except for Artie. Yep, so let's uh, go through that. So Rhett is the one who actually called the Oregon-Ohio State game in the podcast last week, but Will took it from him on the tweet. Well, I just yeah. want to point out, when I said that in the podcast, Will was the one who mocked me the hardest. Well, and then he turned around and chose them. I like that he chose them, but I'm just saying. Yeah. If you can't beat them, Brett, join them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we had Will had Oregon versus Ohio State. He had Oregon winning. He hit. Rhett had Iowa versus Iowa State. Iowa won, so he hit. I picked Arkansas versus Texas because uh, I I was never on that Texas's back train. And Arkansas has that one that one good game a year, and I was I was looking at it to be this one, and I had them hit luckily, and then already had Washington, Michigan, and how yeah. wrong was he? 
Yeah, not good. Michigan, Michigan. won like Michigan, 40. I, I hate to say it, but Michigan is looking pretty good. As an Ohio State I'll fan. I'll say that's hard for it to come out of your mouth. Yeah, Ari, can you say that again, please? Yeah, Michigan's looking good. Okay, shut up. <laughs> okay. Um, as an Ohio State fan, all that really matters to me, I could go... I like getting into the Big Ten Championship. I enjoy watching my team play in the playoff. I enjoyed in 2014 when we won, or 2015 when we won the National Championship. All that's great. But I don't care what happens. We could go 0-9 as long as we beat Michigan at the end of the year. Rhett, do you want to say it first? or do you want, Rhett, I'm going to do it. Michigan's going to beat Ohio State okay. this year. Oh. <laughs> I know Rhett's going to jump in his head. I, I, I see that. I it's see be Rhett. a three-man podcast when that happens. <laughs> um, well, the way you're acting, it has been this whole episode, Artie. I see uh, Rhett passed you the pipe. Yeah, yeah. I got a nice oh. token of that. <laughs> I'm not that deep on the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Dude, I am in. We haven't even talked about Mississippi State yet. I am in. I'm fully in. I'm going for some bold takes. All about bold strategies, Cotton. We're going to see how they pay off. All right, well, let's talk about Mississippi State this week then. Oh, Beating. my God. Our team is awesome. We are electric. We want Bama. Give us Bama. We want him. After the way we played against La Tech, I'm happy for how we played this week. For beating, um, beating NC State when we were supposed to lose. We beat them, what, 21 to 10, I think it was. Let me go check that real quick. Uh, 24 to 10, sorry. We beat them 24 to 10. Um, Will Rogers had a great game. He went 33 for 49, pass percentage of 70 percent, had 294 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Running game wasn't the best. We had about what 30 yards of rushing. Oh wait, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, 30 yards of rushing ish. Um, but of course we're an air raid team, so we throw the ball a lot more than we rush. So yeah, seeing if, that if your quarterback's getting sacked once and I mean, you're able to get the passing numbers uh, or the passing yards up there and you're getting results, you know, 30 yards rushing. That's not really that big of a deal to me. I mean, it's just more impressive. Our defense was able to hold NC state to 10. We've got, we're going to Memphis is coming weekend. I, I, I mean, I feel overall, I feel great. You know, we weren't even favored going into the game, and the game was at home. So I, I have nothing but good things to say about this. Well, Rodgers looks great, had almost 300 passing yards, like you said. Uh, yeah, overall, good win. Yep, and best play of the game was the very first play of the game. 100-yard kickoff return to start it off was huge. Yeah. yeah oh, that was, that. that was such a good play. But, all right, on to good teams. Um, BYU upset Utah 26 to 17. Honestly, I don't see it as a big surprise. I don't think Utah's a top 25 team. So Zach, Zach, uh, Zach, you, me and Artie, you, Artie and I all last week said that Utah would win this game. And Rhett, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm saying this. Rhett was the only person who was right again about that. Yeah. So, I, mean, I think like, we all knew though that it was going to be a close game, and now you're seeing BYU um, getting the recognition, being ranked, and bumping Utah out. But yeah, we all knew it was going to be a close game, and obviously, it was a decently close game. I just think we all assumed Utah would be a little bit better because they've been talked about higher in the Pac-12. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now we clearly have 
two teams in the Pac-12 that have proven themselves a little bit better with UCLA and Oregon. So I just, you know, it's not as surprising. Unfortunately, we have to give Rhett a little bit of props, even though I hate him today. <laughs> yeah, this Kool-Aid tastes good. <laughs> what flavor is it? Um, Just the classic. What's red? Whatever the red flavor is. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's just like Gatorade. I don't know the actual flavors. I know the color. <laughs> oh, that's a good. And point. Rhett is a Gatorade addict. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Literally, when I lived with him, there was never a time where I didn't see Gatorade <laughs> in the fridge. All right, to close out the college football section, um, we're gonna go over just a couple of games that we're seeing uh, going into Week Three. Um, the biggest game that we're looking into is gonna be Number Eleven Florida. Uh, going against number one, Alabama. We then see number two, UGA, playing against South Carolina. Number 10, 10, Penn State, going against Rhett. Uh, Your disgusting Tigers. (laughs) Number 22, Auburn. Arizona State playing the newly top 25-ranked BYU. Number 13, UCLA, against a good Fresno State team that we've seen in the past. And then we're looking at a rising Big Ten team, Michigan State, going against number 24, Miami, holding on to their ACC hopes. And then now we're going to jump into our week three upsets, focusing on Rhett. He has Auburn beating Penn State. Rhett, what do you have to say about that? I mean, I kind of already covered it earlier. I think Auburn, it's going to be a matchup of can Penn State's control Auburn's rushing game because obviously we played some high school teams but we have we're averaging 340 rushing yards a game we have the top scoring offense and the top scoring defense at the moment so I mean this is going to be a big proving game for both of these schools Auburn hasn't really played anybody yet Penn State's played one good opponent and I think Auburn comes out on top not biased at all all right Will Barnes you have chosen Fresno State over your Visor Mode Kings, UCLA. I, I have. And I will say that Fresno State is the best team that UCLA has played this far in the season. Fresno State could beat LSU. Fresno State could easily beat Hawaii. Fresno State could walk into UCLA and show up Chip Kelly. I, I keep buying into the Chip Kelly hype. I keep buying into the Chip Kelly bias. Fresno State lost to Oregon by one touchdown. I'm not going to overthink it. I think Fresno State takes this game. Props to Fresno State for their scheduling. Like, they're actually scheduling decent yes. teams. They're yeah. trying to prove that they are legit. Like, I assume this is what Kentucky did before Kentucky joined a— or Kentucky, before Cincinnati joined a uh, G5 conference. All right. And Zach, you have BYU over Arizona State. Tell us why. Yeah, like we did say last week, I did pick Utah to beat BYU, but after while, I I got to watch a tiny bit of the game, not a whole lot of it. But BYU doing that to Utah. BYU's looking good. Yeah, I mean Jaron Hill, their quarterback, eighteen for thirty against Utah, hundred forty nine yards, three touchdowns. Arizona State, I don't think they're as hot as everybody's thinking they are in the way they're playing. So I got BYU over Arizona State. Granted, I'll eat my words if they lose. I just thought that would be a good upset to see. 
I agree with Zach. I think BYU wins. I've been high on them again this year, and I think they pull it out again. And I am selecting Michigan State over number 24, Miami. I think Miami, unfortunately, just doesn't have the weapons that they need. I think De'Eric King, great quarterback, but just doesn't have the supporting cast. When you watched Alabama, yes, it's Alabama, but the offensive line was just getting ran through. They don't have as much of the weapons that they have. I don't think they'll have a defense that's able to keep up with Kenneth Walker and that offense of Michigan State. I think Kenneth Walker has just been running all over the two teams that they've played. Um, he scored four touchdowns in week one. I just don't think Miami's going to have an answer for them. I think Michigan State uh, gets in there and walks over Miami. I think Kenneth Walker shows out with another two to three touchdown game, probably 150 plus yards. All right. Like I mentioned, we've got number one, Alabama going against number 11, Florida, both teams looking solid, both teams going in undefeated. What do you guys think going into this game? Alabama, Alabama is going to be Alabama and kill them. Florida does not look nearly as good as they did last year. They lost Kyle Pitts, and they have a new quarterback, and, don't they? Yeah, and, and Trask, yeah. And yeah. They, ha- they still honestly haven't even figured out their quarterback situation yet. Yeah, so I think Alabama's just going to run over them. I agree. Alabama has a good track record this season against teams in the Florida State. Um, Alabama's like a 14-point favorite over this. I, I think they're just going to go out and put out a statement against Florida. I'm not saying Florida isn't a good team. It's just the difference in between Alabama and the top three schools and everyone else. Yeah, and watching Alabama, Bryce Young, uh, watching, I mean, yeah, they, he hasn't played super good teams, but honestly, I'm putting him in, him in my Heisman contender right now. I think if Florida was able to figure out who their quarterback is, I mean, because they're still splitting time between Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, I think that they would have a better shot at this. And I'd love to say Florida could win this at home. But the fact that they're still switching back and forth between starting QBs has me um, unquestionably taking Alabama to win this. I would love, I would love to be the guy that says Florida could pull this off and beat Alabama at home, but I, I just haven't seen enough out of their starting QB to make me confident in that. Yeah, it's for me too. Like Emory Jones has shown promise, but he also has four interceptions. Right, and Anthony Not Richardson. Yeah, and Anthony Richardson has been able to move the ball. He's a little bit more of a runner. And he still has two touchdowns, but I don't think he has as much experience or hasn't been able to been able to have enough deep balls um, or enough necessarily in the pass game at all. Um, he hasn't really thrown a ton of passes. He's only made 11 attempts in two games. So I, I still think they will go with Emory Jones. I just think when you go up against an Alabama defense, you really, really need a star-studded quarterback back there. And and somebody who has gotten, you know, all of if you're playing two no names, somebody who's gotten all of the reps that you feel confident in. Dan Mullen is a great quarterback coach. So down the road, whoever wins out is going to turn into a a, a good candidate, you know. But I just don't think I've seen it yet. And yeah, like you said, he's throwing. You got Emory Jones throwing interceptions, and you're going up against Florida Atlantic and South Florida. This is not impressive. And Dan Mullen can do better. All right, the next game we want to go over, 
the other big game. We don't know how big this will be, but with South Carolina looking good and UGA's offense being somewhat unproven against a good team, still against Clemson, they only scored three offensive points. We've got number two, Georgia versus South Carolina. What takes do you guys have for that? I'm uh, I'm kind of worried about it because my mom's a huge South Carolina fan, so we watched the South Carolina game this weekend, and the fact that they beat, barely beat East Carolina by one point, I think it was. Three. Three points by field goal. Barely. Barely. And for how good UGA's defense is. Barely. It's all going to come down to how good South Carolina defense is on UGA's offense. Rhett and I will be at the game, so Rhett, or so Artie and Will, we're going to give you some live updates. But I, I hate to say it, UGA's... Well, actually, I don't hate to say it because I used to be a huge UGA fan before I went to Mississippi State. And me and my mom always watched the games and fought together, which was so fun. But I feel like UGA is going to win. I don't know who I'm going to pull for, though. Yeah, I love so, it. I had a pretty hot take last week with South Carolina over UGA this coming week. The UGA comes out as a 30.5 point favorite in this game. I, I don't. I'm going to retract what I said on the South Carolina victory, but I do think South Carolina puts up a good fight. I think they lose by a touchdown to 14 points, and I don't think the South Carolina Gamecocks will be as limp as everyone thinks. I I actually agree with that, Rhett. I will be honest. The grad assistant has put up better numbers than I thought. I mean, you know, there was a scare against Eastern Carolina. Eastern Carolina is not a bad college uh, excuse me a bad football college but they're not uga uga though it doesn't have jt daniels and i think that with stetson bennett starting at quarterback unless jt daniels is coming back this week for this game this will be pretty close all right i think that's all we've got for college football i think we're going to move on to nfl will take it away well nfl yep this one's gonna hurt like a bitch so uh, we'll just go ahead and air out the dirty laundry. It sucks to be an Atlanta fan sometimes. Uh, the Falcons, God, I, I actually don't have anything nice to say about the Falcons this week besides that Youngway Koo is as good as I thought he was. And he, I mean, he's literally the only good working gear on a, our entire team right now. Yeah, I got one yeah, little. Uh... I agree. I got one little thing I want to. I'm, I'm pissed at them about now. Me and one of my coworkers were both huge like uh, sports fans in general, so we talk at the end of every shift. I see him on my way out, and we sit there and talk for 20 minutes about sports. Um, we talked about the Falcons and how shitty they are, and we needed. So, Matt Ryan, yes, he's a great quarterback, but. He's only good if he has an offensive line. We don't have an offensive line. We haven't had one for like three years. So what? We have five, we have five paper bags so, standing, in, standing in front of us. Exactly. Two. So why the Walking. hell did we just want to try and get a receiver instead of getting a quarterback that can escape the pocket when it gets destroyed like it always does? Like if we got if we picked up Justin Fields for our pick – we could put him in. He can get out of the pocket and work with it. Matt Ryan doesn't. He has no mobility. He's a pocket passer, which means he needs the pocket to pass. 
We don't have a pocket on the Falcons. It collapses every freaking play. So why did we go out and get... I love Kyle Pitts. He's going to be great when we have a good passing quarterback that has time to pass. But why did we get a receiver when we needed either an offensive line or someone who can get out of the pocket that collapses every time? That's my take. Biggest, That's my take on the Falcons, and I'm going to pass think it the on. Biggest, I think the biggest point that you stated right there is just more than anything, yes, a quarter, an athletic quarterback like a Justin Fields or something can solve some of the temporary immediate problem, but you're still starting a young quarterback with five paper bags. And I'll give Jake Matthews his due five paper bags and Jake Matthews in front of him. So I just don't think that getting an athletic quarterback is a solution. Yes, it helps. But I think the biggest problem we need to address is offensive and defensive line. Both of them suffer. And I I think in the NFL, what we've seen year over year over year is the most important thing in the teams that end up winning, the Patriots, the Eagles. When we see them winning, it's because of their offensive lines. Yes, they have good quarterbacks. I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady. I'm not taking anything away from Carson Wentz when he was playing. But Nick Foles doesn't win that Super Bowl for them if they don't have the best offensive line. I just I, I think that's where we need to start every single year is not look at a star-studded player like a Kyle Pitts coming out of Florida, but let's get the best offensive lineman out of Alabama or out of Georgia or somewhere that has this reputable five-star draft pick offensive line. We need new guards. We need a new center. Why do we not invest in that? We're yeah. party. Matt Ryan, way too much money. Artie, would you, would if if the Falcons lottoed into an, a really high roller pick, you know, top three, would you, would you suggest that the Falcons trade that pick for multiple later picks? Because you're not going to have offensive linemen picked up in the top 10 usually. Yeah, or would you... I, I would almost... Do you want to get veterans for a, th- I would think about definitely trading. If we have a top five pick, mm-hmm. I would definitely see, unless there's somebody that's on the offensive line out of some school that is just unreal. I think, yes, getting healthy one or two veterans and then a draft pick or something out of our second or third pick. I think that would be a fantastic idea. We just got to start somewhere. I'm sorry. I'm tired of getting just top in weapons, but not having the pieces to protect them. Falcons had 11 penalties all preseason. Oh we knew penalties were an issue and we were going to work on them and all these things, but we had 11 penalties I thought was five five after the first quarter ended. I, I don't, we need to see discipline when it comes to penalties. Obviously we have a lot of work to do in all areas. Matt Ryan can't, carry a team when he has zero time to like let people get downfield and all these other things it's pathetic i don't even want to watch a falcons game at this point it's just sad yeah uh, yeah i definitely understand that and one one good thing i'll pull away from this week it, the only good thing i can because it's hard to pull away good things from the falcons minus will talking about coup and the kicker our rushing game wasn't terrible our pickup um cordell patterson 
He only had seven carries for 54 yards. 7.7, averaging seven yards a carry. That's not bad for a running back. Mike Davis hey. was pretty... He, he did all right. He had 15 rushes for 49, but that Cordell Patterson pickup, I think that was pretty good, but we need to fix that line like Artie was saying. Yeah, I don't hate that. The next topic point I, I want to discuss for the NFL, this is kind of a cool statistic, is rookie quarterbacks versus returning injured quarterbacks. So obviously this was one of... The best draft classes, you know, they say this, I mean, every every year, every two years, this is one of the best QB draft classes to come through the NFL draft. Well, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson both did not get the wins, and then we had returning injured QBs putting on a show. You had Joe Burrow pull out the Vikings overtime win. I'll, Artie, I'll let you have the floor here in a moment, but first, I'm going to let you have the floor on Dak Prescott coming back with the Cowboys, keeping it a close game. And really, it came down to the Cowboys defense not being able to secure the win at the end. I, I think it's kind of cool how you see these injured QBs with one or two years for Dak. You know, he graduated 14, so he started the league at 15. He's got a couple more than Joe Burrow. But they're coming back off these injuries, and they're performing great. And then just you see these rookie QBs realize how quickly, oh, shit, we're not playing college ball anymore. Yeah, especially how uh, Trevor Lawrence threw three interceptions um, I think he he's not used to the speed and good uh, defenses because the only good defense he ever played in the in his years was when he was in the national championship against those, but those still aren't NFL. He had a couple NFL players he was playing against, but being a whole squad of NFL players completely different. So he's got yeah he's got a lot of warming up to do. I mean I don't know. If- I would say the whole squad was NFL players. I definitely think his line looked like college football players and the defensive Mm -hmm. line looked like NFL players. I I think that's going to be his biggest issue all year is his line is not good. He's not going to get the time that he got in college and he's going to have to adjust. I think we also, and maybe I'm biased just because I had James Robinson on my fantasy team, but we didn't, they didn't run the ball enough. If you're forcing your quarterback, especially a rookie and I'm blaming Urban Meyer because I'm still salty he left Ohio State. But I think you need to get your rookie quarterback more comfortable. Yes, he threw three touchdowns. That's amazing. But there's a lot of rushed passes. There's a lot of um, issues where, yes, he's getting a pass up, but he's getting hit. And your running backs aren't getting the ball enough. I-, I feel like James Robinson can carry a lot of the load for the offense but he needs to be able to get touches. And I just don't think the game plan was necessarily set up for them to have that success. And then again, at the end, you're seeing Lawrence throwing three interceptions that probably could have been prevented. So Artie, what were your takes on the two QBs that you were the highest on actually last week? You know, we know that you're a Joe Burrow guy. We know that the Bengals is your second favorite Ohio team right behind the Browns. So how do you, how do you feel with both guys coming back from injury? I mean, like we said, we touched on the rookies enough. They got, they really just got uh, delivered their first lesson in the school of hard knocks, but you have Cowboys losing at two points and then you have the Bengals winning in overtime. How would you break that down? I mean, what do they need to improve on so that doesn't happen again? Really, I I mean, I'm just looking for your takeaway. Dak blew me away. I, I feel like he really showed that same player that he was two years ago. 
um, where he was in that MVP conversation. And I'm still sticking with it. I think Dak wins, wins or is in that definite conversation for MVP probably around with Tom Brady or Kyler Murray after this week. I just, I was really impressed with his timing, especially with not necessarily getting any preseason action, being away from camp. His timing with the receivers was great. He was able to command the offense. I think they utilized Zeke in a really interesting way too with how well he was at how well he was blocking that allowed Dak to have that extra time to pass. And the other thing that was the most impressive to me for Dak Prescott was he wasn't quick to run. And I know with the ankle injury, a lot of times coming off of that, you're afraid to run, run into traffic, or you might take a sack rather than trying to scramble to save your leg. But he was scrambling at good times, getting yardage when they needed it, and making really good decisions out of the pocket. And I was very, very impressed with Dak Prescott. And I think if you know you have your kicker hit one or two of those kicks, they win that game. I don't think I, I don't think that the Bucks come away with that unless there's missed field goals. Yeah. Greg Greg's leg Zerlin did not hold his own. I mean, missing the the extra point, missing the early what seemed to be an easy field goal and then I believe he missed 3, right? He missed an extra point and two field goals. He went 2 for 4 on field yeah. goals. So yeah. then it, I mean, I was nervous as hell watching him there at the end and then he made the hard field goal or I should say the longer distance field goal and it didn't matter because the camera panned over to Tom Brady and Tom Brady had that he just had that look in his eye with a minute and a half left in the game you knew that the Bucks were about to run down there and score. It, you know what it reminded me of? It reminds me of that one meme from SpongeBob where Squidward is mad and he has his fist balled up and he's just standing there with his with his shoulders up. That's exactly what Tom Brady looked like. <clears throat> Sorry, I was going off a little bit of a tangent there. Hey, Zach, you had something okay. to add? That's okay. Yeah, I was just going to add with Dak, um, how they utilize Zeke, like already said, with that blocking. Uh, like last year or two years ago, Zeke would have blocked for a second, then went out for a, like the security pass. But because of Dak's injury, I think they wanted Zeke to block since he's great at blocking to give Dak a little bit more time. And look how well that worked. Dak didn't have to run nearly as much as he used to. He had plenty of time to throw the ball and look at the open receivers. I mean, Amari Cooper went off because he did so well. Yeah, and did. so did CD Lamb too. Yeah, CD Lamb, Lamb did amazing. amazing. And I sadly, will say that sadly Gallup didn't, but we'll get to him later because he's sadly didn't, out for a couple weeks. Didn't Gallup get it? Got injured, right? Yeah, That's what you're he saying. had like a, stra- yeah. a calf strain or something, so okay, he'll be out yeah. a couple weeks. Yeah, we had. I mean, there's a bunch of injuries just around the league in general, but um, I will say, you know, the last thing I have to say, and I'm gonna, I'm going to pivot this into. Uh, talking about the Bengals is that yeah Zeke Zeke did great on blocking it freed up Dak to perform but I didn't really expect much I I didn't see much else out of him Um, and so with that being said I want to move on to the Bengals Uh, Joe Burrow awesome performance coming back against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings of all things you know you uh, to to go along with that you also have the Texans putting up 31 I mean, granted, yeah, we talked about it. Trevor Lawrence threw three interceptions. But who here last week thought that Tyrod Taylor was going to lead the Texans to a 15-plus point win against the Jaguars? I mean, we all said that the Jags would win. 
Well, and again, the, both of these games, we had the nobody thought the Bengals were going to beat the Vikings. We already, you even said it last week. You thought that the Vikings were going to take this. So both of these, I, which one I should ask because I, I obviously can't make up my mind. So which one do you guys think is the more impressive win? Texans. In my opinion, the Texans winning proved a Tyrod Taylor still has stuff to prove, still has talent. I think you also see Mark Ingram getting traded and holding it down in that run game. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And their defense showed up. Yes, it's the Jaguars. Yes, they were the worst team in the league last year. But we had all pretty much written off the Texans, especially with Deshaun Watson being gone. We'd all written the Texans off. Uh Coming out and putting up 37 points, it wasn't like a 17-10 to game, 17-13, 13-7 kind of game. They put up 37 points. Picked off Trevor Lawrence three times, which showed the defense still has something to prove. And Tyrod played great. That was the more surprising. I still love Joe Burrow. I think he played great in his first game back, um, especially against a good Vikings team, in my opinion. But, yeah, the Texans blew me, blew my mind. Yeah. So so to go back to the, to the running backs that, you know, didn't really seem to amount to that much this week. I mean, yeah, I get it. Zeke's. Zeke's assignment was blocking mainly, but I I kind of want to segue that into the Cardinals on the road. Which, by the way, Kyler Murray looks like Kyler Murray looked like a video game character as they went to destroy the Titans. I Derrick Henry. A cheat code. Yes, he Kyler really Murray is. is a cheat code. <laughs> yeah, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry did not perform. You know, maybe the Cowboys had had Zeke. Maybe the Cowboys had had Derrick Henry. They could have performed, but you can't say that after the Cardinals blew them out. At home, uh, it's just it's. I mean, so many takes across the industry, and we're gonna bounce around here too. You know, the the Bengals winning in overtime, that's awesome. But then we go down, and guys, feel free to jump in at any can point here. We, yeah, can we, we talk about these? Can we talk yeah, about? No, no, Zach, go ahead. Titans, no, uh, Titans, brand new pickup, Julio Jones, and how he didn't play well at all. And so who brought it up, Brett? I think I, I texted the group about this, and I said, oh, man, I'm kind of worried for the Falcons now. And you said this wasn't that big of a loss for the Falcons? Yeah. No, I completely agree. I don't think Julio is not – he was amazing for the Falcons for a very long time. I think it was time for us to move on, get some, like, get some draft picks out of him – I, it, it was time. I don't think Julio does amazing at the Titans being they just have so many weapons to go to. And Tannehill already has chemistry with A.J. Brown and all these other people. I don't know how Julio fits into that situation. Yep, And he, he yeah. had three receptions for 29 yards. And then he got yelled at. And like, a big penalty. Yeah, yeah the they, big they, penalty. And his coach called him out for it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that Julio was ever held accountable like that at the Falcons because they knew Julio was QB or he that he was wide receiver one. Like you can't you can't sit there and tell the guy who's probably the best for the Falcons, the best offensive powerhouse, you know, your best offensive asset. You can't sit there and hold him accountable for that kind of stuff. And I, I just think that the Titans, you're right. The Titans have so many resources to go to that he's going to have to start answering for a lot of that. The stupid plays. Right. And and like we just talked about with the Falcons, that's behavior that exists across the entire team. But, yeah, but so, I, I think that I think what we'll see with the Titans is, yes, you'll still have Derrick Henry. Yes, you'll have the offensive line. Yes, you'll still have Tannehill in the wide receivers. But I just I don't know after watching this game 
if we see the same Titans we have the last two years where we're getting a ton of improvement and Derrick Henry's just running over people and their offensive line is great. It just, yes, that's a, a potential. Yes, the Cardinals have gotten better. Yes, Kyler Murray is growing into himself. Yes, they have DeAndre Hopkins. But I just, I, I don't know where the Titans go. Are they better? Have other teams figured them out? I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see. So I have two different takes left on this game. First off, I have Kyler Murray as my MVP pick at this point. I think oh. Dak is a close second, but I think Kyler Murray oh. is just going to have an outstanding year and win that. And then oh. the second take, the Titans have a new offensive coordinator. He has to learn how to use all these weapons because they have so many weapons. He's going to have to adjust to get used to using Derrick Henry as the um, running back that he is and like just running him into the ground. He can run 30, 40 times a game easily. They're going to have to get used to Julio. They're going to the offensive coordinator is going to have to just get used to the team in general. So I don't think it's a big surprise that we see them come out and lose this first week. So, I mean, yeah, I, I will say it's going to be interesting to see how the Titans bounce back with Arthur Smith. But yeah, I think you're right, Rhett. And moving on to uh, just an offense filled game. Chiefs complete an insane comeback to beat the Browns who seemed like they were off to the runnings there. Um, I, I thought the Browns were going to take that game. The Browns were up on the Chiefs. The, the Chiefs scored. The Browns scored one touchdown in the second half. The Chiefs scored three. Or they scored 23 points, I should say. You know, And there's the clip online of when Pat Mahomes gets into trouble. And he literally, it, the, I think that the caption is like, ah, screw it. I'll just throw it up. Tyreek's down there somewhere. And he hits Tyreek Hill. And then Tyreek Hill for, for a 75-yard touchdown. So... Artie, I'm I'm sorry, but your Browns did not win. I was rooting for you guys, though. They're not my Browns. Again, uh, I am not a Browns fan. Let me just say, when I said last week that the Chiefs were going to win by 40, I meant four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet you fucking did. I, I yeah, clearly sure. meant four, and I hit sure. spot on. <laughs> sure, your mouth made the typo of hitting the extra zero. Yeah, yeah, that must have typed it into the docs for me, and I just read it wrong. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, does anybody really want to talk about this game? or Because I, I think we should just have a quick moment of silence for the Browns. Let's just say. I, <laughs> I think both of these teams looked really good, and this could be a preview of a matchup that we see in the playoffs. Like we did last year, we saw the Chiefs and the Browns, and the Chiefs ended up winning. I right. think the Browns are a good team. I think they're going to continue to become a better team. And I was the biggest surprise for me was that the Chiefs just – essentially got blown out in the first half obviously they made the comeback but i think they have a lot of improvements that they could make on what they did in the first half yeah they didn't show that they were the returning or well returning runner-ups of the super bowl champs and uh, the super bowl champs from two years ago they they need to prove a lot more to show me that they can make it to the uh to the championship again but I just want to point it out there, I'm the only one who said it was going to be a close game, Chief win, Chiefs win. 
I actually, I don't actually know what I said, but I highly doubt I said that the Browns would keep it a close game, Zach. So I'm going to agree with you on that. I, I just, I do agree though. The Chiefs have a lot of work if they want to be considered, you know, the Super Bowl champions they were two years ago or the Super Bowl runner-ups. Runner you know, the Browns are not a bad team though. Like Rhett said, they, the Browns did beat the Steelers coming off a hot streak. The, they beat the Steelers in the playoffs. They obviously lost to the Chiefs next round, but still just some, some exciting football to see all around. So I. I agree with you, Rep. This might be a foreshadowing to a future playoff game. Um, Zach, do you want to talk about your depression first, or do you want me and Artie to talk about our boy Teddy B? Hey, I'll just say it quickly. It was an embarrassing game. Packers lost 3-38. to Rep was right. Famous pitching those crabs. Right. <laughs> So Rhett was right about Jameis throwing five touchdown passes. He was just he was just wrong about the pick sixes. I was really yeah, hoping he was right about them. But I think Jameis under Sean Payton will be a very good matchup. Sean Payton has the way of bringing out the best in people. I think he will help Jameis develop into the quarterback that we all thought he was going to be coming out of college. And I mean, this just showed I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be with the Packers next year. Sorry, Zach. Hey, I, the one thing I took out of it is because Aaron Rodgers didn't go to those like that first week of spring training. I'm just going to say this was his first week of spring training. So next week we're good. <laughs> but he also had all of his. They brought back players it's that he good. was used to having. We're Devontae good. Adams was there. It he was brought Ramos. back Randall Cobb. Uh, it was a very embarrassing loss. Yeah, it very much was, but you know what? I'm just going to put that in the back of my mind and act like it never happened. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> it's the only way I can get through it. Like already in Ohio State, he's putting it to the back of his mind and moving on. So with moving on, Artie and I get to talk about probably our sleeper, our boy, Teddy B. Broncos. Teddy B pulling up big um, against the Giants and the Broncos go on to beat him 27 to 13. This is after Jerry Judy gets hurt in the second quarter, but Teddy Bridgewater, like I said, trust Teddy B. He's putting up numbers. His stat line for the game, he went 28 for 36. He had 264 through for through for two touchdowns, just an overall great impression for the first game. We know though that it is the Giants and there's a long road ahead of us before we win the Super Bowl, which we could. We could. Yeah. yeah we Broncos could. could. Broncos yeah. good. In Teddy, we trust. In Teddy, we trust. I, you know, I, the other thing that really came out to me in this game that I don't know if you and I talked about enough was Melvin Gordon only had 11 touches and had 101 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Now, I will say one of those was a 70-yard rush. It was epic. But it was a really, really w good way to get them into the game, introduce their running game, and get Teddy more comfortable. And he was able to complete the rest of the game and just keep throwing dimes. I I was just impressed overall. Um, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the Broncos win too much, though. I watched the entire game. I had a blast watching it, you know. Broncos a really cool team, a fun team, that a new team, I should say, that I'm supporting. Want to wrap up with the last week. Um, we need to air out a little bit more dirty laundry and talk about the Bears. Bears got smacked in the mouth. Who wants to take this one? Who wants to run with it? 
all right, I'll take this one. So the the Rams, Matt Stafford just put on a show. I mean, really, the Bears defense didn't know what was going on. And that first they, touchdown was embarrassing. The first, yes, the first touchdown was bad. The, I, I think I texted the group while we were watching the My game God. saying that, okay, Bear, yes. because Andy Dalton threw an interception on the one-yard line, and the Bears, I said the Bears trust Andy Dalton get the ball down the field, but they don't trust him to throw the touchdown pass. Justin Fields, like, there was a meme online. Everyone was, like, so excited, like, a smiling when Justin Fields throws the touchdown pass, and then it was Andy Dalton's back in on the next offensive drive. And we're going, guys, what the hell is going on? We need to get he, into— he ran, he ran the touchdown, and he didn't throw it. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was a okay. Well, still, that's one more touchdown than Andy Dalton had. That's true. That's <laughs> so, very so true. I, just, yep. just overall sad. Well, I like your take with the uh, Andy Dalton going downfield and Fields getting it in the tu- in the end zone, and how they don't trust that. Don't they don't trust Andy to get it in the end zone? To me, yeah. that shows me that in a couple weeks they're just gonna put Justin Fields out there to get it downfield and see how he does, and if they like it. They're going to make him the starting QB. Yeah. So, so really what we go ahead, Rhett. Quick question for anyone that watched this game. Does Andy Dalton still have his beard? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He okay, has cool. a Andy very... Dalton recovers and he next game. He comes out and does really well. That, that's my take. Based off of a beard. Yes. What are you going to support next? A visor? <laughs> no, I'm not. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, so it was I godlike. Think... It was godlike. The visor was godlike, Zach. I I will say that um, we. So what we should be doing is we should be wanting the Bears to lose, because the worse that the Bears do, the sooner Justin Fields might go in. That's that's my that's my mixed take so on this. Here's my here's my kind of take that's off of yours. I I kind of like Andy Dalton in that system of get them down the field. If you can get a shot at the end zone, great. But if you get into the red zone, I think Justin Fields just with his legs and his ability to move in and out of the pocket, pass on the run, I think he just gives that extra advantage in the red zone specifically that Andy Dalton can't have. We saw that with the run for the score. I just, I I feel like they don't trust Justin Fields. It's either a, they want to wait a year and get him more protection but they needed to draft him early or B they want to utilize both because they do still trust Andy Dalton. When you see what he did with the Bengals, when you see he, where he had flashes of with the Cowboys last year, he can still throw the ball. He can still make good reads. I, what I saw in this game was him trying to force a couple passes too tight, but when they landed, he does throw it incredibly accurately I think it just is going to come down to timing, utilizing weapons, and relying on Montgomery to run the ball. Um, and I think they – I really do honestly think that their biggest priority right now was getting Justin ready and preparing him to take that next step and hopefully getting him either more weapons and a much better line for next year. I think that's kind of where I see it. I also just don't know if – Nagy's that good of a coach, personally. Dude, Montgomery looked really good yesterday, though, with his run game. Like, I was very impressed with it. I I think that the most... I hate cheering for the the Bears. Like, Hmm? Packers-Bears are rivals, Will. Oh, that's right, sorry. So, 
that the fact that Justin Fields is on it is the only reason that I care a semi about them. But I, I will say that cheering for some of these teams, the Falcons, the Cowboys, depending on the, the month, Mississippi State, the Bears, it really reminds me of that that episode of The Office when Pam and Jim stay at Dwight's and they hear Dwight crying in the middle of the night. And he's just he's just wailing. That's how I feel when I watch some of these games. Okay, so we're going to go through rapid fire for next week. Ten words or less, boys, and I will go down the list, and I will go down the list of people. All right. Falcons, Bucks, Will, Falcons. Two words, Youngway Koo, Artie. Tom Brady scores four touchdowns. Rhett. Pain. Falcons lose. Zach. Bucks win by a lot. Falcons' okay. offensive line collapses bad. All right. A couple of haters in here. Going to have to put on my sunglasses. Ravens, Chiefs. Will, Chiefs. Artie. Ravens. Okay. Brett? Great quarterback battle, Chiefs. Okay. Ziggy? Ravens looking good right now, but I'm going to go Chiefs. I don't know if that was 10 words or less, but it's fine. All right. Cowboys, Chargers. Will, Cowboys, Dak Prescott, MVP, Amari Cooper, Joe Burrow. Uh, Artie? Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, touchdowns, MVPs, Cowboys win. Love that take. Rhett? Zeke does nothing. Dak has over 500 passing yards. Cowboys win. (laughs) Ziggy? Dak, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Cowboys win. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Titans, Seahawks, Will, Titans. Derrick Henry, tree trunks for Cavs. Artie? Russell Wilson, long balls, and Derrick Henry runs the ball a lot, but I'm going to go with Seahawks. Okay. Rhett. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Titans okay. win by a lot. <laughs> Zach. After last week's performance by Titans, I'm going to Seahawks. That was way more than 10 words. All okay, right. All right. On to the next one. <laughs> Vikings, Cardinals, Will, Kyler Murray, Cardinals, video game, Cardinals win. Cheat code, cheat code, cheat code, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, cheat code, Cardinals. Okay, Rhett. Michael Vick, I mean, uh, sorry, Kyler Murray, (laughs) Cardinals. Zach. Cardinals. Okay, all right. I think it's the only one that we've all had together. Okay, uh, next one, Rams, Colts, Will, Colts, Colts defense, Jonathan Taylor, Phillip Rivers 2.0. Artie. Matt Stafford, long balls, Joe Burrow, Rams. Okay, Rhett. Carson Wentz is washed, Rams. Okay, Ziggy. Rams, Matt Stafford. Okay, all right. On to the grand finale. Bengals, Bears, Artie. Bengals, Bears, Barnes, Burrow, Bengals win. Jamar Chase is awesome. Okay. Will, Bengals, Bears, Bears beats Bengals, Burrow, Battlestar Galactica. Bengals win. Rhett. Burrows, Gingerbeard, Bears. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Zach. If Fields is in, Bears. Otherwise, Burrow, Bengals. 
Okay. All right. Not bad. All right. That's it. We're going to end with Bengals, Bears, Beats, Burrow, Brave Birds Pod. But All right. Good night, Joe Burrow. <laughs>